You're tuning in to the Black Hollywood Live Network, featuring news, interviews, and commentary on all things Black Hollywood. Hollywood redefined. From Los Angeles, California, streaming live thanks to Akamai Technologies, this is Black Hollywood Live. Justice is served. Featuring the week's roundup and commentary on legal news. Black Hollywood Live. Hollywood redefined. You're listening to Black Hollywood Live. And now, the host for Black Hollywood Live, Justice is Served. Hello and welcome to today's episode of Justice is Served. I'm your host, Chelsea Galicia, joined today by our brand new official co-host, BJ Abram. Uh, BJ is not going to be with us every week, so he's more like an official permanent guest. <laughs> so I wanted to welcome you and congratulations for joining our little team. Thank you. I mean, it's just so hard to stay away when you're surrounded by such great people. So. Oh, thank you so much. And we've got a great show for you today, including uh, we're going to be talking about the murder case of the guy who killed or allegedly killed uh, Morgan Freeman's granddaughter. Uh, we'll also be talking about 50 Cent's uh, lawsuit over a soured E! reality show. We'll talk about the peanut butter executive who looks like he'll be spending the rest of his life in prison for selling bad peanut butter. And we'll cover two defamation cases, one involving Lindsay Lohan and the other, uh, Sean Penn is suing Lee Daniels over a comparison that Lee uh, Daniels did uh, with Terrence Howard and Sean Penn. We'll sort the whole thing out <laughs> and more. Welcome to today's show. Let's get started right yes. away, shall we? We are so excited to be here. Our first show from our first home, uh, our Brand new, new home. Studio. So how are you liking the dig so I far? I love it. I love it. Amazing, amazing. All right. Well, now we got to get into a really tragic uh, case here. This is about uh, Adina um, uh, Hines, sorry. And she is the, not by blood re relative, but granddaughter of Morgan Freeman, who was found murdered last month, August 16th, uh, found stabbed on a sidewalk in New York City at 3 a.m. A witness heard a man screaming about um, the, the devil and Jesus Christ right. and uh, saw a man on top of her when police arrived on scene. They arrested Adina's boyfriend, uh, Lamar Davenport, who had moved to New York City with her when she landed a role uh, in an upcoming uh, indie movie. Right. And he was arrested on site and yesterday pled not guilty. Right. Uh, it seems to me it's going to be really hard for him to prove that he didn't do it. I mean, I don't know if he's planning on saying... I arrived later and found her that way, which I doubt. Right. To me, I think we're going to see an insanity defense. Yeah, I mean, because none of the reports that I've read, at least, have indicated that um, someone actually saw him stabbing her. Um, and so, although I agree it's likely to be an insanity defense, in a particular case, we did have witnesses that witnessed him on top of her with the knife. Um, in her chest, and I don't know how you would defend that, <laughs> obviously. Right. Um, but there aren't any witnesses that actually have stated um, that they witnessed the incident itself occur and his him physically stabbing her. Yeah, I mean, it seems more likely this whole insanity defense because he was 
yelling out something to the effect of get out devils I cast you out devils in the name of Jesus Christ I cast you out and police said that he was in a drug induced psychosis right um, which would be very difficult to try and use an insanity defense for when you take voluntarily a substance that causes you to go into some psychosis so can you see any way that he would be successful in using an insanity defense if he voluntarily took something that led to those actions i think that's what it likely would turn on in this particular circumstance if he voluntarily took a substance that put him in like you said a psychosis state then at at that particular moment the insanity defense I would believe would be off the table. Right. For most jurisdictions, it is. Some jurisdictions, they say that if he was in a psychosis, but also had an underlying condition that it sparked, that maybe you can use the intoxication in that moment as part of a defense. But mostly, um, if you have like a history right. of intoxication and like you have, you know, brain damage, mental right. illness on like a long standing basis, then. Um, drug use could lead to a successful insanity Right, and and I think, I mean, obviously at this point we haven't heard about any of that information. Obviously the incident is still relatively new. Um, If those things present themselves, then he might have more of a viable uh, defense. But, I mean, as we see it now, um, they're gearing up. It seems like they're definitely gearing up for an insanity defense from the statements, like you said, that he made at the scene or when he was arrested by the officers. Um, and, and then even, you know, I, I believe he made statements saying that, you know, why he didn't even know why he was there. He was saying, right. I don't why am I here right when now? he was being arrested? Why he was being arrested. So he's definitely been out of it. I understand he's been hospitalized right. ever since. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, though, that the prosecutors have taken into account that he was in an altered state of mind when they charged him with second degree murder. Right. Uh, so second degree is basically saying you killed somebody, but you didn't come up with this thought in advance right. and, and wasn't really, premeditated exactly right. so um that's probably how the prosecution has taken his and i i mean i think it's a it's a safer play from a from a prosecutor's uh from the prosecution perspective you definitely i mean you you almost have no chance at, at getting a first degree murder case uh, or charge in this particular circumstance if obviously those circumstances are present um, I think one thing that actually came to mind when I was reading this information was the fact that um, is how the media is publicizing this incident. Uh, you haven't heard any mention of a terrorist act. Um, and in this particular circumstance, he was yelling out Jesus Christ. He was yelling out the devil. Um, he told the officers, in fact, that after he was arrested, that they should repent for their sins. Uh, and my thing is, if these were Islamic statements, if these were statements that uh, were in any way associated with Islam, I think that all across America, we would have heard that this was uh, somewhat or some type of way a, a terrorist act. Yeah. I mean, it, when I first heard you say terrorist, I'm like, whoa, BJ's maybe he's a newcomer is a little way out of line. <laughs> but then it totally makes sense when you you know talk about if this were you know a Muslim extremist, then there would be uh, one side of the political aisle who would be publicizing right. this as a, you know, a threat to national security, uh, I, a reason why we need to seek out a certain group and, uh, and get I think, rid I mean, of them. And, and not even just a Muslim extremist, um, just the incident itself, just the uttering of those words. I mean, we just had the incident, not to get off track, with the uh, child who brought in a clock. 
um, yeah. you know, who created a clock and the teacher thought, you know, it was some type of uh, a bomb or something like that. Right. I mean, if there was any type of uh, mention of anything with Muslims or Islam, this would there, have been. it would have been a huge backlash. Here. Yeah. That's true. I mean, the story would have gotten so much press. I mean, a little kid in that clock was like a star for a solid right. week. And, and this um, brutal story was touched upon, but not really covered as much in the mainstream media that I saw. So I that's agree. a really excellent point. So I want to um, move on now to 50 Cent. You know, we've covered some of his legal troubles recently, and he has filed a suit this time against a business associate that he had hired to the tune of like $270,000 to go out and make deals for him, including TV deals. Well, apparently that's what this guy, Andrew Jameson, did. He came up with a, I guess, a concept for G-Unit to have a reality show with E! Uh, and, and then there was something about hiring a white girl to work for G-Unit and be on the show that was the reason why 50 Cent got offended by this show concept. And, and that's what want, he, that's why he said he wanted to back out. But he's like, sorry, dude, this deal is you know locked and sealed. And when 50 refused to do it, it severely damaged his relationship with E's parent company, NBC Universal. So now he's suing for $800,000 or so. Uh, this story seems a little funky to me. It's definitely a bit odd. Um, I mean, I guess he was the guy, he was 50 Cent's consultant, right? I mean, a consultant is, is one thing. Um, obviously, but an agent or acting in, in the role of an agent is completely different. Um, but it seems that he was allowed to engage in some types of uh, some type of business transactions prior to this. And so my thing is, uh, what where was the date or the deadline, and where did this end? Did this contractual relationship end at any point? Because f- from what I'm seeing, just on a surface level, and I have no information uh, supporting this, it seems like Fifty Cent was engaged in some type of uh, contractual relationship with him in which he allowed um, uh, this man to act as an agent of his. Um, and in that particular circumstance, he may have engaged in these... Uh, he may have wanted this show. Right. You know, he like I said, I don't have any information to support this, but he may have actually wanted this show. And then maybe when he found out that it was bad or, you know, it would be bad publicity for him to say that I want a show with a white girl inside of G-Unit, maybe he backed off. I don't know. Yeah. It, something doesn't sound right because... Parts of the lawsuit make it sound like this guy went beyond his authority and caused this deal to happen. Right. And then on the other hand, it's like, well, no, the guy had the authority to engage in talks for the show, but 50 was so offended at this premise that part of the show be about a white girl that it just completely took it off the table for him. That's the part that doesn't quite make sense to me. And then where's E at in in, in this? Because um, E would not simply, and I can't say they would not, but I would believe that they would not, engage in a relationship without having 50 cents approval or at least an authorized person to sign off for 50 cents. So the fact that E entered into this agreement, um, it, it makes... It sounds like there was it, some documentation fishy. that this guy, you know, was uh, represented him or, or was in fact a business partner that was hired right. to engage in these I kinds agree. of negotiations. So, I mean, 50's not doing so great in the money train, and I don't <laughs> think that this one is going to go much better. In right. fact, the attorneys for this guy, Andrew Jameson, have said that 
it's he who's owed money right. in uh, unpaid salary, and then he's in arbitration trying to get it. So, so I mean, is this fifty mess. cent just fishing for a way to generate some revenue here, or I, I think uh, he, I mean, to damage a relationship with an entity as large as NBC, NBC Universal. Universal, you know. It's comp- mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, it's a big deal, and so he may be just trying to save face through this lawsuit. Of right. course, I mean, I I, I don't know, um, but that's what makes most sense to me. So yeah, I agree. All right. Well, now a uh, important word from our sponsors here over at DraftKings. So your season-long fantasy football team may be going strong, hopefully. How's yours going? I'm I'm in three leagues, so I'm doing okay. Okay, but you don't have to wait, I don't know if you knew this, until week 16 to get paid. Because you can put your fantasy skills to the test every week uh, this season at DraftKings.com. They're America's favorite one-week fantasy football site. Uh, that means that since it's only one week at a time, there's no season-long commitments. And if one of your players gets injured, you just swap them out right. since every week is like a new season. So get this. DraftKings is crowning a new millionaire every week. When I, At first, I thought this was like only for like the first week. But right. it looks like this is a big every pot. week this season. It's amazing. So you could turn your love of football into a life-changing payday. Just pick your players, pile on the points, and pick up your cash. That's it. Believe me, you've never seen football like this. This isn't fantasy as usual. This is DraftKings. Welcome to the big time. Yes. So hurry on over to DraftKings.com now and use the promo code BUZZ, B-U-Z-Z, to play for a free shot at the $1 million in this week's Millionaire Maker event. So again, enter BUZZ for entry now at DraftKings.com. That's DraftKings.com. How's that for you? That sounds great. All right, so now onto a bizarre case that actually makes me really happy with our um, uh, our, our justice system. Oh, actually, I'm just getting word now that our promo code for this show, scratch that buzz, is black. I'm misin- misinformed. So give credit to this show, this network, Black, B-L-A-C-K, when you go to DraftKings. Okay, cool. All right, so now back to this really interesting case. This is like a white-collar crime case where an executive of a uh, peanut corporation of America owner, Stuart Parnell, is likely going to sit the rest of his life in prison for knowingly shipping out salmonella-tainted peanut butter from his unbelievably, disgustingly gross (laughs) peanut butter manufacturing plant. So I don't know if you remember way back, 2008 and 2009, there were nine Americans that died and hundreds, like 700 or some odd people, if not more people, became sick with this tainted salmonella. So let me tell you a little bit. Oh, and it also triggered one of the largest food recalls in in United States history. So let's go back a step and talk about the trial first. So at trial, federal. first of all, the fact that this went to trial is noteworthy of itself. It is. Uh, I don't know why they didn't cut a deal. I I, I think they were pretty arrogant to think nobody else. Well, I mean, if you look at precedent, of course they shouldn't have cut a deal. Because in these types of circumstances and situations, we've seen people get away scot clean. Right. So... But once the government charged them 
with felonies. I don't know. Maybe it was time to... to Reconsider. Uh, right. Uh, but apparently they did not. So the trial went forward. And federal prosecutors presented more than a thousand documents and called forty-five witnesses to the to the stand to make their case that he knowingly shipped this ultimately deadly peanut butter to um, to the public. So uh, there was some batches that had been tested and came out positive for salmonella, and they shipped them out anyway. The guy said, "Ship them out. I just let them go." There were other batches that were not even tested, but then they um, they just faked a, 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 a lab test that said right. that they were negative when they actually didn't know that they were, or if they were and very likely were tainted. So um, he and his brother, who was a food broker, and the um, employee who was in charge of quality assurance, Mary Wilkerson were all on trial for various white collar crimes like conspiracy and fraud mm-hmm. and not actually for the killing right. of these people. In fact, prosecutors didn't even mention to the jury that people had died. Do you think that there was a reason why they may not have mentioned this to the jury? I think that for in people's minds, an executive sitting in an office and killing, you know, an 70, 80-year-old woman. Like the, It seems like so disconnected mm-hmm. physically and perhaps mentally that it was a stretch. People, right. jurors, might have a hard time convicting an executive of like right. basically murder. It's so attenuated, is, or at least it seems so right. attenuated. And prosecutors obviously would have had a much higher standard right. burden mm-hmm. of proof to overcome. But I think they just figured, they, they looked at all of the charges. I mean, there was like 60, 70 charges right. brought. And if they could obtain convictions, these these charges, which come with, you know, three, four, five, six, seven-year sentences, you add them all together and you get, you know, 20-some-odd years anyway. Yeah. It's just a safer way to do it. Mm-hmm. And it's also a bigger, uh, hopefully, deterrent for other food companies as well as all corporations that they could be held accountable for the harm that their products do when they knowingly send out dangerous public and dangerous I, products to the public. And I think that's really what this decision was about. This was a landmark cake and a case and it, it was about sending a message, I think. Yeah. They definitely sent a message that should have been sent a long time ago. Absolutely. Um, nevertheless, we are happy that it was sent today. Um, but and just to kind of quote a U.S. attorney, Michael Moore, um, who stated a landmark with implications that this was a landmark with implications that will resonate not just in the food industry, but in corporate boardrooms across the country. I mean, this is huge because we are living in the day and age where corporate officers like get off scot-free. Um, to this day, nobody has been arrested, prosecuted, tried for any of the the reasons where we had the economic right. meltdown. Right. Um, so, in this culture where we just see people getting away, and when I say people, I, I mean executives and corporations getting away with basically anything. Right. It was kind of shocking to see this kind of. Um, Prosecution, first of right. all, the fact that the jury came back guilty verdict, I think, shocked the defendants, but makes 
perfect sense. Exactly. And so then now that leads us to just yesterday when the judge hands down a 28-year sentence. And since the guy, uh, Stuart Parnell, is 61 years old, that's effectively a life sentence. He'll be perhaps sitting in jail until right. the day that he, he dies. And defense attorneys are like, this is completely inappropriate, <laughs> right. you know. Uh, what do you think the chances are that they'll successfully appeal the sentence? Well, I mean, he sentenced them to 28 years, right? Uh, and if I'm correct, I believe I read that there was about 800 years if that could have could. accumulated, yeah. right? So we're looking at a, a mere fraction of, of, of what actually possi- what possibly was out there. Yeah. Um, in terms of uh, them defending this, I don't see how it's going to be done. I, I mean... It was a clear conviction it, it, here. It was so egregious. Just to to point out how bad these were, when the um, authorities went in to raid this plant and see what was going on, they found rat droppings, right. mold, uh, bird droppings, roaches, dirt. I mean, this is this was not at all accidental. Was, they had evidence of emails of of, of clear notifications that he had he was on notice of all this and and not just was on notice and failed to act in fact i believe they took measures to cover it up or to proceed without it right right? so so the 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 jury's uh verdict i mean just is overwhelmingly obvious to me that this needed to be it and that i'm proud of this judge for 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 standing up you know the defense um presented a case in less than two hours and made it sound like this is just a small business owner who is being blamed by the government for something that was, you know, beyond, beyond his, his control. control right. Or um, and and perhaps the reason why federal prosecutors went so hard after this guy is because he's only a small, you know, corporation. Um, but hopefully, it sets a precedent right. for larger corporations. Uh, particularly the ones that are influential in politics, yes, <laughs> to um, be on notice that maybe they're next. And I mean, I just hope that they do take heed because I mean, what we're seeing at the end of the day is people are losing their lives. Yeah, nine people died for profits. I mean, that's what the judge said that it was clear to him that public safety was hardly a concern. That this was just about profits. In other words, it was straight greed. Right. That's what it was. Right. That's exactly what it was. So I, I don't think an appeal will be very successful at all. Um, his brother got 20 years, and the quality assurance manager got five years for obstruction of justice. So um, really, I mean, it came down hard yeah. uh, on, on everybody. I agree. Well, yeah. So, all right. I'm going to turn it over to you. Thank you. So in other news, um, Lindsay Lohan uh, was back in the news recently. Uh, and fortunately for her, this time, she was actually on the defensive side of things and, and, and not, uh, excuse me, not on the defensive side of things. But unfortunately for her, in this particular circumstance, she still walked away disappointed as the judge threw out her case against Fox News Channel for defamation. Uh, if, you, if you can recall back in February of this year, Lindsay Lohan, as well as her mother, uh, Dina Lohan, brought forth a case against uh, Fox News Channel and, and talks their actual talk show host, Sean... Hannity. Hannity. And also on the show at that time was a guest, TV personality Michelle Fields. And so they brought a suit alleging that uh, defamation for the comments that were made about Miss Lohan and her mother and their drug usage. So Lohan's attorney alleged that Fields falsely 
inappropriately and shockingly stated that as a matter of fact, Dina was doing cocaine with her, meaning with Lindsay Lohan. Okay. The, this is so funny. Shocking. I mean, when did you start using the word shocking? And I mean, the, the, this kind of silly. I mean, the only, maybe, I don't even know if, if it's shocking to some people, is that they would be doing it t- together. together. But, um, yeah, I mean, the public has seen and heard Lindsay herself say that she has used drugs a handful of times, I think maybe 10 to 15 times that she has admitted, right? admitted it, although she says she's not a, a drug addict. And and then there was that phone call that leaked where Lindsay was calling her dad right. saying, mom's doing cocaine. Right. And so, yeah, the judge threw out this case, which was a little bit bizarre, and I'm not sure procedurally how it happened because... The truth is a defense, but not usually a reason why a judge tosses the case out. Although I haven't seen much of an uproar about that, so it must be procedurally okay, but I'm not familiar. I mean, because typically that. what happens is uh, the defense would, you know, they would present that as a defense. Um, and then the judge would acknowledge it. Right. Not simply the judge. Uh, again, Taking judicial notice of <laughs> right. Lindsay Lohan so, and uh, her mother's activities. I mean, I think this was a clear indicator that the justice system in general is fed up with Lindsay Lohan. You know? Oh, uh, yeah. I hate uh, to say it, but It seems of, like yeah. a, when a judge tells you um, truth is a defense... He's essentially, it's almost a slap in the face. Absolutely. Right? And, and the weird, the weirder part of this story is for me is that they're going to sue over this comment saying that it damaged her reputation. Um, did they not watch Lindsay's <laughs> reality show that she did for Oprah's network? I mean, was that last year or the year before? Yeah. Nothing could be more damaging to her reputation or I would think the likelihood of anyone wanting to do business with her where they have to rely on her to be somewhere at a certain place at a certain time would just never want to go near her. I think she's just staying relevant. So, uh, I mean, she must have known it and her lawyer. And again, I just read the comments that her lawyer said stated. But I mean, clearly the lawyer must have known that this was. A, a loser case. I um, perhaps. I, I mean, I, uh, yes. I, I. I just. I just. How. How do you have like eight episodes or something? I can't remember how many episodes. Uh, sh- minute after minute of Lindsay being uh, uncooperative, unpredictable, yeah. unreal. I mean, just horrible. You would never want right. that out there. And she. She did it. And I mean, and when she acknowledges, she's like, "Yeah, I look like a diva, but what person in this industry isn't?" <laughs> way to take responsibility, girl. So yeah, I, there was there would be no way, even if that truth defense right. wasn't there, that they would be able to prove damages because you have to show damages. And the judge went on the record outside of just stating that and stated that um, the statements on the show were in fact not malicious. Right. So I mean, they would have had to show that. I mean, this is a public figure. Right. right, and so you you need to show that malice element as well. Yeah, so if for people, well, I was going to say like you and me, but I don't really know if this show makes us public figures or not. But for for most <laughs> uh, for non public figures, you just have to show that a statement was falsely made and it was dispensed out to third right. parties, and that it has uh, a damaging damages just a general on your reputation rules, right. or your ability to do business, things like that. But for celebrities or any public figure, there's this additional thing of malice that you have to prove, which is that the person 
knew that the uh, statement they were making was was false or could have easily figured it out by just looking it up and that's what the what i interpret to me is the the reckless disregard for the truth so there's just a whole lot of ways that this was not going to end well i completely agree for Lindsay. i completely agree and since we're talking about defamation uh in a similar case with sean penn uh sean penn recently just sued uh, Lee Daniels, who's the creator of the hit series uh, Empire, uh, for $10 million claiming that Lee Daniels accused him of hitting a woman just to make Terrence Howard look better. Um, and, and for those who aren't familiar with uh, the background as to the Terrence Howard story, after Howard was accused this summer by his ex-wife um, of beating her up on uh, what appeared to be a reconciliation trip between the two of them. Right, vacation in Costa Rica. I don't know right? how anybody fights in Costa Rica. I don't know. I don't know. It was just kind of weird how that all happened. Um, but after that incident and after the accusations, Lee Daniels actually took it in an interview stated that Terrence ain't done nothing different than Marlon Brando or Sean Penn. And all of a sudden he's some effing demon that's a that's a sign of the time of race and where we are right now in America. I'm sorry, but Lee Daniels is way <laughs> out of line here. Um, first of all, as I understand it, besides that one incident that you're talking about, Terrence Howard has a known criminal civil like, history right? of he does being charged, prosecuted for domestic violence, going back several years. Back is to that 2000. Right? Okay. I mean, he he's been. And I can just run. And he was arrested for assaulting a flight attendant, and in, uh, in two thousand, in two thousand and one, he was arrested for assaulting his then estranged wife. In two thousand and five, he was accused of punching a woman and her fiance that he didn't know. Um, in two thousand and eleven, he was accused by his second wife of abusing, uh, of being abusive most of the time. So yeah. all of these, and there were two more incidents, including the one today. I mean, uh, the most recent one. But all of these uh, incidents weren't actual arrest. Um, a number of them were. Some of them were accusations, though. Yeah, so that's a pretty long history. And then this summer has been, a, you know, a big, interesting summer for Terrence Howard in the courtroom because... Uh, his ex-wife, number two, was trying to go after him for more uh, spousal support. And Terrence actually won that case saying that he was um, sort of forced by the threats of, of releasing private information about him. Right. And so Terrence won that, that case. But this is there's been a lot of attention around the fact that the judge said, Terrence is no angel. He's no, right. no victim. It, the judge said that he's he's something to the effect of he's not innocent here, but even a bully can still yes. be bullied. Yes. So then, to contrast that with Sean Penn, who there's been rumors of stuff that's happened with him and, and Madonna, and right. but there has never, to my knowledge, uh, been a charge or a conviction. So to compare the two, like well, it's... I, I, I mean, the question is, and then we can get back into the elements of uh, of whether this will be able to be proven under defamation. But the question is, uh, I mean, well, excuse me, the history of Sean Penn, he has been arrested for violent attacks before. In fact, he was caught on camera attacking a paparazzi and prosecuted for it. But as it relates to domestic violence or, or, or any, hitting a woman... That's what I was that, pointing at. Yeah. From, what, from what we have seen, uh, not to say that it has never happened, it's only been mere allegations. Right. There's never been any arrests, never right. been, been any charges. So it's very difficult to reconcile how 
Lee Daniels would so easily compare the two like it's a no-brainer. And then to add in the element of that Terrence Howard is only getting this kind of attention because he's black and Marlon Brando and Sean Penn did the same thing and didn't get attention for it because they're white is taking 10 steps backwards for the people who have legitimate claims of discrimination because this does not seem to be race-based. This seems to be fact-based discrimination, if you want to call it that. And I mean, clearly, clearly, I mean, this is a unique incident. Um, But definitely, this will be fact-based. The racial aspect that he's bringing into play, I think he's essentially saying that um, in large cases or in a large amount of times, when an African-American or or someone of a darker hue, I should state, um, does something that is illegal or something that is is heinous in nature, the way that they're smeared is different in the way uh, it would have been if it was maybe a white guy who had committed this act. That would make sense if Sean Penn had ever been charged or convicted of violence against women, then... I totally understand and right. I totally agree. And that's why I say this is a u- this is a unique case yeah. in terms of the references and, and the phrases and the terminology that he used, um, the accusations that he presented. So to say. me, this much more than the Lindsay Lohan case seems something that is of substance. This article appeared in The Hollywood Reporter, obviously a publication that's very important to Sean's pen- Sean Penn's career. Um, and so he's, you know, claiming $10 million in right. damages and he might be successful if he can get over that that uh, malice thing right. which because, is the toughest part because my, my thing is and, and the malice is under it, it falls under the I mean because under the constitutional limits obviously you need to prove falsity and fault right and so when we talk about malice we're talking under the falsity um, now my thing is to be honest and, and I, I may be you know it might just be me when I originally read this article or found out about this I thought that Sean Penn had previously been convicted myself, uh, or at least charged. So uh, I don't know. And, and again, these were accusations that have went on in the media for years. In fact, Sean Penn, um, he was he was essentially saying that he's taking a stand with this case because he's tired of people repeatedly doing this. So I don't think it would be abnormal for someone to actually believe that Sean Penn was in fact. Yeah. Uh, and so that's where he may have a problem with proving the falsity because. You know, I don't know if you could say that that was reckless. That's true. But I think um, that even this case, without winning it, now that media outlets are covering this story and then reporting the fact that Sean Penn has never been charged or convicted of violence against women is somewhat justice in and of itself. Yes, for for him as well. And there's another aspect. What's that? Because Sean Penn believes that this was a ploy for some marketing for Empire, which actually happens to air again tonight. Tonight, yeah. So perhaps they both came out ahead. Maybe so. All right. Well, I think that brings us to the end of our show. Thank you so much for your insight and perspective today. We will be back next week with another episode of Justice is Served. From producers Maria Menounos, Dario Kristen, Tiana Hobson, Kevin Undergaro, and the entire BHL crew, we would like to thank you for supporting Black Hollywood Live, the first online broadcast network dedicated to African-American entertainment. For questions and comments, contact us at info at blackhollywoodlive.com. Like us on Facebook, tweet us or Instagram us at BHL Online. And I'm your BHL announcer, Scipio. Instagram me at Planet Scipio. 
Thank you for tuning in. The views expressed here are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of BHL or its owners or principals.